<clears throat> Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we teach you how to invest with benefits. My name is Christian Allen. I'm here with my co-host, Rodney the Pod Zabrisky. Rod, what's up, man? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. I'm I'm glad you're doing great. That was a strong hey, hey to start things off. And it uh, I felt the energy and I'm ready to bring it because you're ready to bring it. So Sweet. What do you think of that? I love it. Okay, Rod, we're talking about another exciting topic. We're going to talk about life insurance as a wealth creation tool. Okay, so I said that jokingly, but it actually is a topic that I'm quite excited about and passionate about because, Rod, it's so misunderstood, mm -hmm. right? Life insurance is one of the most misunderstood financial vehicles that exist. That's why we have like these ongoing debates between what type of insurance makes sense, term and whole life and IUL and whole life and all these different things. And there's like different people in different camps that really feel strongly about it. Here's the deal. Life insurance is a powerful wealth creation tool. And just about every type of life insurance can be a powerful wealth creation tool or, or wealth protection tool, right? Mm -hmm. So with that being the case, I'm excited to jump into this. We're going to talk about why life insurance as a, as a wealth creation tool fits so well into our invest with benefits philosophy. Um, let's jump into it by talking a little bit about one. Actually, let's talk about our two core strategies, Rod, okay. because obviously both of those are two core strategies using life insurance, right? So maybe I'll touch on high level investment optimizer. And then you can talk about capital avalanche after that. So Sweet. one of the core strategies we use is we call it the investment optimizer. And it's actually a very simple strategy. We're using, we're using high cash value life insurance. Basically we take life insurance. We maximize the, the cash value in it. We minimize the cost so that you can then use that as an opportunity fund to go invest. So we're really just leveraging the insurance company's money because one of the unique benefits is we have the ability to borrow against it. The, again, the whole key here, and this is really important, this is why I'm laying it out up front, is it's an augmentation tool. It is not the investment. Life insurance in this situation, we're using it as a way to create another level of profitability. In other words, we're using it to create additional return. Simple, think of it this way. If I was getting 4% without it, Maybe I'm getting five or 6% with it. Maybe I'm, you know what I mean? So the difference is just by simply running my opportunities, like my, my investment deals through the life insurance policy, through the investment optimizer, we then create that additional return. And for that reason, Rod, it's foundational because everybody invests. And therefore, yep. if I, once I understand the concept, once I understand the strategy and get the math behind it, it just makes sense to run my investments through there first so that I'm always creating that additional layer of opportunity, the additional layer of profitability. What did I miss, Rod? I think you hit it really well. And but maybe I'll repeat one thing just to make it really clear. Because even when we even after we've said it, sometimes people don't quite hear it this way. And uh the idea is that the whole life policy in this context. When we're putting money into it, we're not putting it there to stay. It's not, we're not saying I'm putting it here instead of putting it in real estate or my business or something else. We're putting it here first and then using that as the capital to go out and invest in these other places so that we can create that additional layer of, of profitability. Mm, yeah, well said. 
I just thought of something that I want to back up and do for a second. I want to back up and talk a little bit about some of the characteristics of permanent life insurance. Okay. okay. Just because I think, I think it's important, maybe even critical to understand those in conjunction again with invest this invest with benefits philosophy. And it'll help to better understand both the capital avalanche that you're going to talk about and specifically why the investment optimizer is powerful. We've talked about kind of the main reason, right? Generating mm -hmm. an additional return, but there's some characteristics inside life insurance that are unique that just naturally make things a little bit better than what we would get otherwise. Okay. So first and foremost, the reason that per people generally buy life insurance is for a death benefit, right? That's the starting point. Yep. And life insurance has a tax-free death benefit that goes to our heirs. Like again, when we're talking about estate maximization, one of our six key benefits, we want to make sure that we're maximizing the the uh, our estate by passing along assets that are effective to pass along. Life insurance is, if not the most effective, well, it probably is. It just probably is the most effective the most um, seamless asset that I can pass from one generation to the next, because obviously it's just cash tax free money. That's totally liquid that people that can go and use for whatever reason they need to. Yep. So from that standpoint, hugely powerful. I don't want to lose the importance of what it does. Okay. And not only from an estate maximization standpoint, but just from a protection standpoint. Yeah. Right. So now what we're doing is, we're using the investment optimizer. We're creating additional return. But meanwhile, we're also protecting our family, our wealth, by making sure that our plan is fulfilled regardless of whether we die prematurely, right? That's kind of a funny thing, prematurely. What does that even mean, right? <laughs> but if we die before we're hoping to, we expect to, right? Yep. If that happens, most of us care enough about our families, our businesses, people, like we want our money to go to the right places. Yeah. And therefore... Um, life insurance is a powerful tool for that. So for that reason, um, I don't want to lose that component. A couple other things that I think are important. Life insurance has built-in tax benefits, right? The cash value is, is tax favored with the ability to create tax-free income, which just means when I put money into my policy, it has already been taxed, right? So it's kind of like a Roth IRA in that standpoint. Mm -hmm. Put the money in, it's already been taxed. It has the ability to grow. And because of the way that we're going to pull it out, we're going to talk about that in a minute, we're going to pull it out using loans, we now have the ability to pull it out without ever having to pay income taxes. So from that standpoint, it can be really powerful. Um, so I talked about protection, talked about taxes, uh, liquidity. It's super important from a liquidity standpoint. Even if I'm not using it as an investment or as an opportunity fund, it can be really useful to have as a place where you know I'm just generating a you know, four or five, 6% potential return inside my policy as it's sitting there liquid money. I don't have to be like um, concerned about it being eaten away by inflation when money's sitting on the sideline or if it's emergency or whatever. So liquidity is a massive aspect of why life insurance ends up being a really powerful uh, asset to use for wealth creation. Um, what am I missing, Rod? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're running through this because Often when we describe the investment optimizer, we just get that like blank stare or even like the outright question, like, well, gosh, why life insurance as the vehicle? <laughs> and and you're answering all of the, the question as to why. It, it's not that we said, hey, we want to make that life insurance do these things. It's that the, it already has that built in. The, the government, the IRS decided that it should have these tax benefits. That's already built in. 
the fact that the cash sits there and grows on a very consistent basis, especially inside of the whole life policy way you were describing for the investment optimizer, guaranteed interest plus a dividend. And, and again, so it just grows in a very consistent and meaningful way when compared with savings accounts or money market accounts. And so we're just bringing the pieces together and building it in a way so that we can create that additional layer of profitability that you described for the investment optimizer. Well, and it's amplifying everything else we're doing, right? Yep. It allows us to multi-purpose money and amplify all of our investments. And so therefore it's like rising the tide across the board. So yep. for us, life insurance is very much a foundational asset that we can then use to be more effective in the alternative investment space. Now I say that it's more effective in any space, right? Even mm -hmm. if you're in the traditional space, we can show um, a clear path to why owning life insurance is a, is a better way to produce income in retirement even. So mm -hmm. regardless of what path you're on, life insurance is just an incredible tool. The key is that you have to understand how it works and how to use it. And once that happens, once it clicks in, it just becomes one of those things that people want more and more of because, again, they're looking at it and saying, this now makes this more effective. This makes this more effective. It's really an incredible foundational asset. So the investment optimizer, while its focus is on um, enhancing a return, life insurance just has, as a whole, some really, some really powerful benefits. Okay, that said, Rod, talk a little bit about the second strategy that we commonly use in conjunction with life insurance. And I should say, before I turn this over to you, like there's a lot of different strategies that we can use, uh, whether it's, you know, estate planning and business planning, like there, there's several different things. These are just the kind of two most common things that we see uh, that, that just make sense for people because we're solving a couple of the most, most common issues. One, we're solving the ability to, or the, the opportunity fund, and then number two, we're solving for a really powerful way to create tax-free income. So Absolutely. that being the case, Rod, talk about the capital avalanche. Okay, yeah. So with the capital avalanche, what we're doing is is we're taking this, we've, we've described the cash value. Well, that's basically an asset, right? It's there, it's growing on a very consistent basis. And we're, we want to uh, make it so that the growth, the, the increase that we're seeing on that asset is amplified. Well, how do we do that? You may often hear us talk about this concept of leverage. Conservative leverage, when combined with a growing asset, can make it so that our return off of that asset is bigger than it would be if we didn't use the leverage. So in this case, we, we've put some money into the policy to get it started. Now we have cash value. Essentially, what we're going to do is set that up as a, a line of credit using the cash value as collateral. We tap into that line of credit and use that money to put more money into the policy, build the asset bigger. And when we build the asset bigger, the line of credit gets bigger. Well, guess what the next year we're going to do is to repeat that, take another loan against line of credit, put more money in the asset, asset gets bigger, line of credit gets bigger, et cetera. We just keep moving forward, continuing to build on this asset, which the way we've described it is that we're we're going to produce a you know, five, 6% consistent return inside of the asset but because we're adding that leverage piece when i measure the return off of the the initial kind of seed money that i put in i'm actually able to create a double digit return that's tax free so think about it 12 13 
of of an IRR for me tax free, well, that's the equivalent of 17, 18, 19 percent, depending on my tax bracket. So um now what we've done is we've taken these core principles of what we can get, what we can expect from a life insurance policy, and we've added leverage to that to amplify the return so that in this case, it kind of does become the the investment, like it's self-contained mm-hmm. is what I mean. We're not, we're not reaching out and doing anything with anything else. It's just, it's all happening inside of the policy. And to what end? Because in the future, I want to be able to retire. I want to have... Uh, be able to create some consistent income. And so this creates tax-free income in the future that again, because of the leverage piece just produces a lot more income than it would if I, if it was only my own money that had gone into the plan. Yeah. And I really, I'm genuinely convinced based on, you know, being in this industry for the last 20 years, almost that it's the most powerful income producing vehicle that's available. Like I just really believe that now, that doesn't mean there's no risk to it, right? That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that 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 um, we go in with eyes shut, I guess, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't mean that we just we just assume. Like at the end of the day, it's a lot like real estate, and so if we think of it that way, I think it, it starts to come kind of come to shape a little bit easier. Just like we do with real estate, I'm purchasing it on using leverage so that the asset can grow. And here's one of the things that I love about the concept, the underlying asset that, uh, oh, I hate what I'm saying, Rod. I scratch that, whoever's editing this. We'll, let's start again. Or let's, we don't need to start again, but let's just like- read Yeah, out. let me, maybe I'll pivot and tuck, um, add IUL, the conversation on IUL to it as well. Okay, perfect, go, go for it. Okay, so now this is where we become heretics in, in some people's eyes. Because inside of the capital avalanche uh, strategy, in addition to using whole life, which we've described uh, in conjunction with the investment optimizer, we're also using what's called index universal life. Oh boy, Rod. I know. Don't do that. Crazy, right? Don't do that. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the difference between the two. We talked about in whole life, we have the guaranteed interest growth plus a dividend. That's how the cash value grows over time. Index Universal Life, or IUL, uh, brings with it the same benefits we talked about earlier in terms of the tax benefits, in terms of you have that cash value, it's an asset, uh, in terms of asset protection, all these different things. Now what happens is that the cash value, it's growing based on a different set of parameters. And specifically what's happening is it's linked to a market index. Most commonly the S&P 500. So we'll use that as our example. If I... uh, so I have my cash value there in years where the S&P 500 grows, then my account gets credited an interest rate that's linked to what happened with the S&P. In years where the S&P loses value, I don't participate in those losses. I just don't earn any interest on my cash value for that year. So what does that mean? That means in the long run, I have more upside opportunity to grow my cash value as compared with the whole life. That's that's what we like about it. However, there will be years where the market was down. And again, gratefully, I didn't participate in those losses, but I also didn't earn any interest in that year. And so by combining and having both whole life and IUL, we have years where if I'm not earning interest on the IUL, I know I am at least earning it on the whole life. So it's like the the balance between the two, taking advantage of their strengths while they balance each other uh, against their weaknesses. So 
The point is by using them together, then it just creates it it de-risks de-risks it so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try that again. It de-risks it so to speak, um, but also providing for this dynamic income that we can produce in the future. Okay, Rod. So I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this, but maybe just a little bit. So one of the as we went through the benefits of life insurance, we haven't dug into the borrowing element. Okay. Okay. So I want to get into that so that people understand kind of where we're coming from. So here's the thing, borrow, when we say borrow, we think, we, we think pay back, right? Like that's mm -hmm. how it works. When I borrow money for a house, I have to pay it back. When I borrow anything, usually the idea is that borrowing means I pay it back. Okay. Good news. We are going to pay this back, but not in the way that we typically think about it. So here's the deal. Um, one of the really cool benefits of life insurance is that we have a contractual opportunity to utilize the life insurance company's cash value. So we're not. So when we put money into the policy and we want to borrow against it, we're quite literally taking from a different stack of money. Our money stays in the policy, continues to can grow and compound and do what it does. Simultaneously, now we have the opportunity to go and pull money from the general account of the insurance company. We borrow it. So we're, again, quite literally borrowing. And this is important because if you think about the tax, the tax element. So think about like a line of credit. If I take a, if I take a line of credit from my house and I use that money, there's no tax implication because it's, it's not income, it's borrowed money, right? Similarly, in life insurance, you have the same ability to use that um, just like that as a line of credit. Now it's my cash value acting as collateral. But the benefit then is now that money is going to continue to grow and I'm out there investing in anything and everything that I want to. So Rod, is there anything um, else about like the, the mechanics or the benefits of the loan provision that I didn't hit on? You know, we often get asked, well, how do I, or who determines the payback of the loan or what, what, is it a 10 year mm. loan? Is it a 20 year loan or whatever? Well, because of the way you just described that the, the cash value is acting as collateral for the loan. And that account is sitting there with the insurance company. When, uh, when I loan against it, the insurance company is like, well, we're going to charge you interest on this, but we don't care how you pay it back. Your collateral is sitting here with us anyway, whether you didn't ever pay it back, uh, at all is, is completely up to you because, the collateral sitting here right with us. So what that does, it gives us just a lot of freedom. And essentially what, what you want to do is you take the loan, you go out and invest with that. That creates some sort of return or cash flow coming back. Makes sense to flow all that back to technically pay down the loan. Um, but the way I think of it strategically is that I'm replenishing the opportunity fund because I'm going to take another loan later and go back and invest in something else, right? And by so, the way, that does feel better, right? If I just oh, yeah. think of it in terms of, like nobody likes to pay down a loan, but we certainly love to build up an account or build up a cash value that we can then go use to loan. And that's like, to your point, that's exactly what you're doing. You would be doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. You're just now doing it inside this interest bearing account with all of the other benefits that we keep talking about. Absolutely. And so similarly, now let's talk about the impact of that on the capital avalanche, because we described using loans to keep putting money into the policy. And in this case, we might use the insurance company's uh, line of credit. We also might go out and use a bank 
line of credit, just depending on which one's going to give me better interest rates. Uh, but the, the fact is the same cash value stays there. It's collateralizing that loan. And in this case, I have this increasing growth inside of my account and the loan, this, this line of credit out here, it's charging me interest, but they allow me to capitalize that interest. So essentially what we're doing is we're just creating an arbitrage between average growth in the, in the account versus the interest that's accruing on the loan. And historically, uh, we would see that be more than 2%. In our projections, we use 2% because that would be a, it's a conservative number to use. But the point is when you spread that out over a long period of time, it's okay, on average, how much growth did I have in my account compared to the interest that I had accruing on my loan? We, call it, we refer to that as the spread. Uh, that's what's creating that arbitrage, which again, amplifies or increases the amount of income that I'm going to be able to take later in retirement. Yeah. And it, it's, well, again, you're utilizing leverage, right? And anytime you're utilizing leverage, especially, I mean, particularly if you're doing it the right way, you're being conservative and thoughtful in it. Mm -hmm. It now gives you an opportunity to um, create, in this case, create income or, or it could be, you could be using the capital avalanche as an estate maximization tool, but however you're using it, um, creating, having that extra leverage come into play makes a huge, it makes it, it, it hugely impactful. One of the points that we haven't hit on Rod is how in the world do I pay back a loan from the insurance company? And if I'm like in the capital avalanche, we're talking about using it for income, but then we're in, in the other breath, we're talking about taking loans. Mm -hmm. Can you do me a favor, Rod, and clarify the, the, how we're using loans and why we're using loans and how that money gets paid back. Yeah. So uh, with our line of credit, again, the cash value is acting as collateral, creates this line of credit. We tap into line of credit and we use that money to go put more, build the asset, right? So we're, it's just this cycle of, of funds from the line of credit to build the asset. And, uh, and then that arbitrage that I mentioned on average, creating more growth in the asset versus the interest accruing on the loan so that in the long run, we, we actually, we're not building it to where you're making payments towards that loan. Even the interest we're letting just capitalize onto the loan again, because of that spread concept. And then ultimately, eventually what's going to happen is when I pass away, there's this tax-free death benefit that pays out. And the first thing that's going to do is pay off that loan. And then the rest, whatever's left over, that's what goes to my heirs income tax free. So this, because it's life insurance, it has this kind of self-fulfilling piece that's just naturally built into it so that when I die, it gets paid off and, and everyone's happy. So, and because, because death benefits are tax free, therefore as long as the policy is enforced, it becomes, because to your point, the death benefit is going to go pay off whatever loan is there in the, in the policy and the rest is going to go to yours, like you said. So it's really, really powerful from that standpoint. And, and again, it's important to kind of realize that there's a different jargon that we kind of have to use around life insurance. When we're talking about loans, while they are getting paid off, they're getting paid off through a death benefit coming in and fulfilling the plan. They're not they're not getting paid off, at least not in the capital avalanche where we're taking income. 
they're not getting paid by us actually going and putting more cash into it. Yep. Um, okay, Rod, what did what have we missed? What have, what haven't we hit on? Uh, the the one thing I know we want to touch on is uh, give a real life success story, somebody that we know. And by the way, we have a whole bunch of them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's so it's hard to choose just one. But aside from that, Rod, is there anything else that you want to hit on before we throw out success story? Maybe one thing I'll I would like to throw out, and that is just the the way that the strategies we're describing build into an overall investment portfolio. So uh, again, we've had our, the focus of this, this conversation has been around the life insurance and maybe it's really obvious on the investment optimizer side because we're using loans to go out and invest in something and create value outside. Um, but even with the capital avalanche, when, uh, when we're working with people to set these up and, and use it and build toward this future income in retirement, in this case too, it's not a it's not a standalone. It's not a, a catch all that someone's saying, "Hey, this is this is taking care of all all of my income needs in retirement." It's built in with a I'm going to use the word diversified and then clarify with a well diversified portfolio of investments that have different risk profiles that have different um, benefits that they can bring to me that working together kind of give me all the things that I want. And I, I uh, want to clarify my use of the word "well diversified portfolio" because usually when we hear that, it's a it's a stockbroker talking about oh we need to have a variety of different stocks and different classes and different different you know payouts and ways that we're we're doing that. But to me, a, a stock portfolio is only one class of of investment. I need to be well diversified in a whole bunch of different classes of investments. And so we often talk about the whole kind of alternative investment world, real estate, businesses, funds, precious metals, you know, all these different things. And in, in the context of what we're talking about here with the investment optimizer and capital avalanche, that becomes a part of that well diversified portfolio of alternative assets that are creating these benefits that, that we want. Okay. So just, just to like, create a pathway for people when you think about how these two strategies and how we're using them. So we've got the life insurance for the investment optimizer, which again is just simply an opportunity fund where we earn more interest than we would somewhere else with several other additional benefits, which we, which we've hit on. So step one then is that we end up creating this investment optimizer. And then our path is that we go out and invest. Similarly, this, this the capital avalanche ends up being one element of, and so the the reason I point that out is because um, this isn't like a hey, I just do two life insurance investments and I'm I'm home free. It's very much it, it's a lot more broad than that, right? Because the the investment optimizer side opens us up to anything and everything that I can invest in. Particularly, like again, we love the alternative space for a lot of reasons. But the core, the key then is to borrow against the money that I have there and go out and invest it. And I can do it in a ton of different places, which makes a huge difference. And to your point, it is not just, not just different, I guess classes is probably the best word. I like that you said the word classes. Maybe that's, I'm, I'm trying to find a better way to like delineate, but 
the reality is, is like, to your point, mutual funds, which is the most common way that we see people invest, is only one methodology to invest. And there's obviously a lot of other methodologies, but people oftentimes get stuck, especially if you're in the traditional world, with doing just that. And so this gives you like a pathway to do more. Now, the next step then is Capital Avalanche ends up being an augmentation tool to create additional cash flow, particularly in retirement. Okay, Rod, let's talk about a real life story. Let's call this person, wait for it, Rod, Chris Larson. That's right, right. I used his real name. So our man, Chris Larson, talk a little bit about Chris Larson's path. And he's shared this with us, obviously, uh, several times. He's talked about it on the podcast, but mm-hmm. I love I love Chris Larson's viewpoint on life insurance specifically and how he's utilized it to as a wealth creation tool. Yeah, well, he had uh, he has a good reason to have a positive view of life insurance to begin with because he talks about his his story of his dad passing away and how life insurance became a big piece of uh, that. I don't know, his link to him, his, his legacy. Uh, and so to begin with, he was very positive on, on the idea. And then as he, you know, he got into his kind of working stage, he was working as W2 employee, but he had this dream of getting to a place where he no longer needed the W2 income. He could create enough passive income to replace that. And so he started investing in real estate and, and did a really good job with that. Um, but there was an inefficiency that he noticed in his, in his uh, real estate investing. And that is using a bank account as the opportunity fund or the place where he's flowing all of his cash in and out of his deals just felt super inefficient for him. And, but then he discovered the investment optimizer strategy started a whole life policy and started flowing his money through that. So as he's on this journey of going from this W2 employee to a place where he's creating enough cash flow, passive income so that he can walk away from his W2 job. He's now using the investment optimizer as a way, an additional piece to help him get there. And, and so he did that. So a few years ago, he was able to create enough cash flow. He walked away from his W2 job. And what's interesting to, to have watched since then is it's, you know how often in business they talk about that hockey stick? You you work and you grind and, and you see a little bit of growth, but then you hit like this pivotal point where all of a sudden your trajectory goes, the slope goes steep really quickly. And that's basically what I've watched happen with him is once he was able to walk away from the W-2 job and he is focusing more on his investments and, and building his own uh, business, et cetera, then he's seen a dramatic change in the trajectory of his wealth building. And, and as a result, the, the money he's flowing through the policy. So he's started up additional policies. He has more monies flowing through his investment optimizer strategy than he was before, which makes sense, right? As the, as the snowball grows, then also his uh, ability and, and really the need for that augmentation tool gets bigger as well. And so he's flowing money, more money through that. So bringing to bringing him kind of to today, um, he, he's still, you know, on that path. He's still growing. He's still that that snowball is getting bigger. Um, but a very key piece of that continues to be that investment optimizer policy. Okay, Rod, it gets even better than that with Chris. You want to know why? 
because Chris takes it another step further. He actually teaches people to utilize the same philosophy, strategies, techniques that he used yep. to get to where he's at to help other people. My point here is to suggest that he teaches other people how to use the investment optimizer as a tool for wealth creation because he's actually done it. He believes that he's seen it in action. And of course, you know, like he, he to your point, like he went in knowing that not only does life insurance have this death benefit that's really um, impactful if something happens to me, it's just creating these these multitude of benefits across really every phase of my financial life. So mm -hmm. if if you don't know life insurance, like obviously if you're listening to us, you probably know life insurance and and value it. Uh, but I just I just can't emphasize enough how powerful it is as the foundational asset that it just allows us to do things that we wouldn't be able to do um, if we weren't using it. Okay, Rod. So, what are your key takeaways from our conversation? Uh, I mean, the key takeaways are that life insurance just brings with it some. A, like a package of benefits that we can't find anywhere else. And because of that, when we plug it into the things that we're doing and, and I'll emphasize this again, it doesn't change the fact that people are out investing in their businesses and real estate and all these other things. Uh, it, it just changes the way that they do it. It makes it more efficient, creates more return. And then when adding the capital avalanche, an additional kind of like asset class, with leverage that builds towards this wealth creation and, and future uh, income. So it's that unique package that allows us to do what we're describing here. You know what I like to say, Rod, if you're going to invest, make sure you invest with benefits and utilizing life insurance as a foundational asset is absolutely a great way to do that. Okay. Thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you next week.